Welcome to Conversations. And Lisa, it's so good to see you across the table. Yeah, this is hilarious in our kitchen. Yep. We're looking professionally podcasting right now. I've got my reading glasses on. Yep, you do. Yeah. How do you like them? Well, you know, it's interesting. John is, they're not really blue. John is colorblind. So he ends up picking out very effeminate colors for his reading glasses. Wait a minute. Yeah. I love you. That's that's, sexist. That's, right there. That might have been. Don't baby boys get blue and baby girls get pink? Yeah, but that's not blue. My, I'm my your baby love. boy, aren't I? That's not blue. Okay. Okay. Let's, well, listen, you know what, you know what I'm really about excited about? No, this is what I'm excited <laughs> <laughs> We just talked about the wilderness. And um, I, I, I really believe, honestly, Lisa, we could have talked a whole year on it. And um, But our, our executive producer, he thought of, I think, the best subject to, as a follow-up, and that is the subject of hope. And so, you know, Lisa, I think most people have a really warped understanding of what hope is. And, um, you know, I think they see it as a hope so, maybe so word. Like when somebody says, oh, I sure hope it's going to happen. They're saying, I doubt it. I really seriously don't think it's going to happen. But I'm just giving it that real outside chance. There's not like any faith attached to it normally. It's just like, yeah, I hope so. Right. Yeah. Right. But that's not how faith is. Faith and hope are related in the Bible. Correct. Correct. I mean, we know First Corinthians thirteen thirteen says, "Now these three abide: faith, hope, and love." So hope's one of the big three. It'll abide forever and ever and ever. But yet, I feel it's the most misunderstood. And so, um, you know, there, let, let's talk about the difference between natural hope and true biblical hope. Well, I mean, and I love that you brought that up. That those three work together. You know, because it's very clear, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. That is that whole idea of what is going on in Hebrews 11.1. 1. This is the heroes of faith. And so if you don't have something that you're hoped for, then, you know, you're not really having substance working. Your faith doesn't have any substance to work. So faith is the substance of the things we hope for. But it's not just a casual thing. It's a it's a vision thing. It's a dream thing. It's a destination thing. Right. You know, I, I look at hope as like the mold or the blueprint. Like, let's say faith being the substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith would be like hot metal. And then the hope would be the mold that it's going to fit into. And... Um, you know, or let's say faith is the substance, the wood, the siding, the um, tile, the windows, and hope is the blueprint. So you can have all these building materials. If you don't have the blueprint, you can't build a house. And somebody may be thinking out there, wait a minute, I could build a house. No, your blueprint's in your head. That's how you do it. So if there is zero blueprint, not in your head or on paper, you can't build a house, even though you've got all the materials to build a gorgeous mansion. And so there are people that they spend so much time in the word of God, they pray, but yet I believe their faith doesn't have the ability to be effective in their lives or the lives of their loved ones who they're praying for because they don't have this hope. But why is it they don't have this hope? I mean, I have a theory about it, but I want to hear what you you have to say about this. Why do people discount hope? Why? Why do they not understand the importance of attaching their faith to the hope? What, what is that? Well, first of all, hope is a confident, biblical hope is a confident expectation that something will happen. Okay, but here's there's, there's the challenge right now. Right. A lot of people, when it comes to biblical expectations, they don't have a confident mindset. Like, what 
can I, what am I allowed to hope for? Can I hope for a better marriage? Can I hope for my kids? You know, can I have a hope that I'll have a better job? We, we need to give people permission almost to hope. And a lot of times people, they, they don't understand that it isn't being, it isn't being humble to not hope. God actually wants our faith to be the substance. Substance means to take up space of what we're actually hoping for. Right. So if we're not hoping for anything, our faith has nothing to take up space for. And so they have to work together. Faith works by love, but it also is the substance of the things hoped for. I love that. Now, yeah. yeah. And you and I, you and I by accident did some hope things early on in our marriage. And, uh, you know, we, we've had some visions and some dreams and some hope things that I really want to give people out there permission to dare to hope, dare right. to hope. Maybe, they, you know, maybe they are coming out of a wilderness season and that's all they've known for the last five years, you know, five months, whatever it is. And, and they don't want to hope because they're afraid to be disappointed and they're afraid of missing God. Right. And I think you just hit the key. You said, hey, John, why are people afraid to hope? I think the key to that is there are a lot of people out there that don't want to hope because they don't want to be disappointed. Right. They don't want to see God not answer because then it's going to shake their reality of does God exist in my life? Does Is he for me? And it shakes up a lot of things. So they would rather not believe for something, have something not go wrong. So therefore God's reputation in their mind, in their heart can stand. And I this is so dangerous because God is the God of hope. He is called the God of hope in Romans 15. Okay. And if you look, I, I mean, I think the greatest story of natural hope versus supernatural hope is found in the life of Abraham. If you look at Abraham, it says this in Romans chapter 4, verse 18, it says, Abraham, it's, well, I'm, I'm just going to read 17 through 22. As it is written, I've made you the father of many nations. So God spoke that to him. In the presence of him. To build him, hope. Yes. To build hope. Yes. And faith. In the presence of him who he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So hope is something that we don't see yet. So this he's the God of hope, we know from Romans 15, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he may become the father of many nations. Now listen to that, who contrary to hope. What, what does it mean, contrary to hope? Well, natural hope said, Abraham, you can never have a baby. You are 90 years old. Your wife is, you know, past childbearing. You're reproductively dead, you know, and you have no hope of having a baby plus in the he, natural. Plus he messed up. Who against hope believed in hope is what I love. Who against hope believed in hope, meaning it didn't look against all the odds. But here's the thing. He's not only reproductively dead, he's had a child with Hagar. And so he's taken in his hands, he's messed up. And so he's begun to think, can I believe God, that God's going to actually answer that? Yeah. You know. And so he, I, re, I, I remember in Genesis uh, 17, where God's talking to Abraham, and he's telling him he's getting ready to do this amazing thing. And Abraham's like, oh, that Ishmael might live before you all the days of his life. Right. He, he was afraid to dream. He was afraid to hope that Isaac would really come forward, that there'd be years of laughter, that there'd be a legacy, and that Sarah would not be barren. I think it really goes back to the beginning when Abraham first meets God. He's 75 years old. God appears to him and says, I'm your shield, your exceeding great reward. Abraham's response is remarkable. It's almost like big deal. I've only got another 25 to 50 years to live. The heir of my household is Eliezer Damascus. 
you know, you're, yeah, you're good for me for 20, 50 years, but I, I have no error in my house that's from me. And I, I, I believe what God said is, we got a problem here. We got, we, we got to up this man's hopes. Mm-hmm. So what God does immediately is he said, I want you to go out and count the stars. Now, scientists tell us that there are eight to 10,000 stars that are visible on a desert evening. So Abraham, I could just see this, starts counting these stars. And three o'clock in the morning comes, and he's completely exhausted. Four o'clock, he falls asleep. And God's sitting there right at his side when he wakes up like 10 o'clock the next morning said, did you count them all? And Abraham goes, they're innumerable. They're impossible to count. And God says, that's the way it's gonna be with the descendants that come from you. So all of a sudden now God has put an image in him, in his imagination. This is why Hollywood wants our imaginations of something that is heavenly, something that is impossible. And then, isn't this amazing? If you look at the, the routes that Abraham travels, a lot of it's desert and a lot of it's beach. So God says to him, look at the sands. He said, Are this, can you count the sands? And scientists tell us there's 1.8 billion grains of sand in one cubic feet. So they're impossible. So God says they're innumerable. So every time Abraham looked down, he sees innumerable descendants because God has linked the two together. Every time he looks up at night at the stars, innumerable descendants. So God, who is the God of hope, instills that in him. And that's what we have to do, especially when we're in the wilderness. Yeah, I, I love that you painted that image, that everywhere he went, he saw. He saw the hope. He saw the hope. Now, he didn't see the hope in himself. He saw it in the natural where God compared it to him. And so here's, here's what I love. It goes on to say that he didn't consider the deadness of his own body, meaning he didn't care about what was he, because here's the thing, God is who we put our hope in. We don't look at ourselves and our own ability to provide, our own ability good, to Lisa. have handled everything correctly. He'd mess, I mean, Abraham, God bless him, he'd messed up. He listened to Sarah, he took Hagar, he has Ishmael. He's got a nightmare in his hands. He's got his wife beaten, his servant girl. I mean, he's got a crazy mess going on. And yet the promise of God stood. And so even in that those years of a mess, he's still seeing the stars, he's still seeing the sand, and the hope is still there. And there's people out there right now that they're saying, hey, I've messed up, I've messed up, I, I should have been doing this. Guess what? The promise of God still stands. You That's can so you can against hope believe in hope. You can believe because it's he's a God of hope. We're not the people of hope. We hope in God. So I love that it takes it off of Abraham and puts it all on God. Right. And so if God's made somebody out there a promise. He is the one who will bring it to pass. That's so good. You know, and it says, so as it has been spoken. So it's not just the image that God put in him of the stars and the sand, but it's the word that accompanied the images. Mm -hmm. So he said, so shall your descendants be. So I find that it's extremely important to keep our imagination uncluttered. You know, we've we've got computers now. We've you know, I've seen some guy's screens, you know, on the Macs. Man, that that's clutter to me. I got to have an organ. I can't even write if if, if my I've house is cluttered. Up, if I've messed up your office. Well, you honey, I didn't say write. anything about that, but I can I've, write I've, a mess. I've got I've got to unclutter my office. I can't write noise. So what happens is the world is like we want to clutter your imagination. We we are like back in 1975. Now these are not the exact statistics, but these are ballpark. We got 250 bits of information thrown at our souls a day. Now today, it's over 6,000 with our smartphones and all of our, 
all of our uh, visuals my that Apple we have. My Apple Watch telling me I have to stand up, yep. whether I want to stand up or not. So what the enemy wants to do is he wants to clutter our imagination. And we as believers, it's so important that we give the Holy Spirit time to paint the hope the hope that he wants to put in us. I, I'll never forget, Lisa, I'm downstairs praying. And my this is why I love praying in the morning, because my imagination's not cluttered yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm just downstairs praying, and all of a sudden, I see the Broadmoor, and I see a bunch of people coming from all over the United States to the Broadmoor, playing in a golf tournament and joining together on a mission to resource pastors all overseas. And I remember I came up and told everybody about it, and everybody was like, are you sure? Broadmoor, six months from now? And I was like, guys, I just really believe we're supposed to do it. Well, I had that hope in me. Mm-hmm. God had put that in my spirit. And then you spirit, spoke it into us. Spoke it into you guys. Eventually, mm-hmm. you caught it. The team caught it. And now we've been able to put 15 million resources into the hands of pastors and leaders in 94 nations and 106 languages. All because why? An uncluttered imagination. That's why sometimes I will tell you this, um, and I'm, I, I, don't wanna, I don't want you to think I'm being a preacher against something, but when I watch a movie the night before, a lot of times when I get up for my morning prayer, my imagination is cluttered with all the visuals of that movie the night before. You're the one that makes us watch I, the movies I, I, the yeah, night before. Yeah, I know. Before. You, you can throw stones right now, baby. <laughs> Take me out. It's my fault. I, I okay, enjoy a good unclutter. movie. But, let's unclutter. But yeah, it's sometimes a fight for me to re-clear my imagination, you know, and that's why we shouldn't go to bed worried. We shouldn't go to bed with wrong thoughts. I mean, it's so important. Paul says, whatever things are pure, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are of a just report, think on them. Why? Because we imagine- just I don't want people to think you watch bad movies. John doesn't watch bad movies, but he watched Clutter His Brain movies. That's what he did. That that yeah. I don't yeah. want him to think you watched well, a bad I, movie. You know, I don't watch too much. Now you watch the good programs like Chip and Joanna Gaines on HTV. Yes, and my H- brain is never un- never cluttered. Just from the that. sweetness of that couple and seeing beautiful houses. That 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 puts good images in us. That makes you know? me want to clean my closet. <laughs> hey, John, I want to close out with Romans fifteen thirteen. Sure, because you're talking about. Uh, this decluttering of the brain. But here's the thing. We want to reprogram people's brains with hope. And I love what Romans 15, 13 says. It says, now, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it is the Holy Spirit that empowers us to abound in hope. It is the joy and the strength of God who fills us with his peace to believe. I I want people to be expectant. I want them to believe. I I love that you opened up with this idea of hope being a possibility and not a reality in God's mind that he's daring for us to attach our faith to. And so um, I love that. Can you pray with people? Father, in the name of Jesus, you are the God of hope. You are the one that finds the down and outers, the destitute, those who have had some pretty disappointing balls thrown at them by life, and you come into their life and you instill great hope. You instill the impossible dreams that we weren't able to come up with on our own. I'm asking right now, Holy Spirit, that you would literally hover over the people that are listening right now and that you would begin to paint upon the screen of their imagination the hope, the promises that God Almighty has for their lives. Lord, you've called us, you've destined us, you've predestined us to be conformed to the image of your dear son, Jesus. And he changed 
the societies he was a part of, he changed the world, then I'm asking that as a result of what you put, the hope that you put in the heart of every one of our brothers and sisters that are listening right now, that it will literally change their world of influence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Conversations with John and Lisa. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review and be sure to subscribe and share these episodes through iTunes. You can connect with John and Lisa through Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or visit our website at messengerinternational.org. Until next time.